Welcome to the Well Community Jokes. What's holding you back? Have you ever experienced just wanting to run at full speed, just wanting to, to get going, but there was this weight or this burden or this restraint that was just holding you back and you couldn't shake it? The, the, the thing I think of when I think of this is my dog, Amber. I was so excited to have a dog as a kid and I wanted to do cool boy things with this dog. I wanted to, to strap on its leash, put on my rollerblades and fly like the wind. And I remember finally trying this one day. I got my rollerblades on, we had a short little pink leash and I put that on her collar and I said, okay, Amber, we're going around the block, pull me. And we, we actually got going at a good clip. Now I will say that she wasn't injured in the making of this story. But uh, I will also say that she was a tiny dog. Like, she was a purebred Cocker Spaniel. She wasn't very big. It wasn't like I had this huge dog pulling me. But she was just trying at all of her might to pull me around the block. And I'm just having the time of my life. Like, yeah! When my parents heard about it, they almost lost it on me. But I, as soon as I took that leash off her, Bam! She ran like lightning. She could fly down the street and there was no catching her. And I just think that so often we see this potential in our lives that we, we want to run like lightning. We just want to, to go after the potential where God is leading us, what he wants for us, the best. But there are these things that hold us back and weigh us down. And sometimes they're hard to shake. But tonight, I want to wrap up our series of Unstoppable, The Church Unleashed. And I want us to look at this text in chapter 12 that really helps us identify these patterns that we're going to see tonight and that we've seen throughout Acts that help us run the race, that help us let go of whatever it is that's holding us back and to just run at full capacity, at full potential for where God is leading. So if you have your Bible with me, turn with me to Acts chapter 12 as we wrap up our series that has looked at Acts chapter 8 through 12, uh, Unstoppable, The Church Unleashed. So we're going to be reading the entirety of Acts chapter 12. So let's read together. About that time, King Herod Agrippa, he was the nephew of Herod Antipas and the grandson of Herod the Great, for any history buffs, he began to persecute some believers in the church. He had the apostle James, John's brother, not Jesus' brother, killed with a sword. When Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, he also arrested Peter. This took place during the Passover celebration. Then he imprisoned him, placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover. But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. The night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep, fastened with two chains between two soldiers. Others stood guard at the prison gate. Suddenly there was a bright light in the cell, and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side to awaken him and said, Quick, get up! And the chains fell off his wrists. Then the angel told him, Get dressed and put on your sandals. And he did. Now put on your coat and follow me, the angel ordered. So Peter left the cell following the angel, but all the time he thought it was a vision. He didn't realize it was actually happening. 
They passed the first and second guard posts and came to the iron gate leading to the city. And this opened for them all by itself. So they passed through and started walking down the street. And then the angel suddenly left him. Peter finally came to his senses. It, it's really true, he said. The Lord has sent his angel and saved me from Herod and from what the Jewish leaders had planned to do to me. When he realized this, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered for prayer. He knocked at the door and the gate, and a servant girl named Rhoda came to open it. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that instead of opening the door, she ran back inside and told everyone, Peter is standing at the door. You're out of your mind, they said. When she insisted, they decided it must be his angel. Meanwhile, Peter, he continued knocking. When they finally opened the door and saw him, they were amazed. He motioned for them to be quiet and told them how the Lord had led him out of prison. Tell James, this time talking about Jesus' brother, presumably, tell James and the other brothers what had happened, he said, and then he went to another place. At dawn, there was a great commotion among the soldiers about what had happened to Peter. Herod Agrippa ordered a thorough search for him. When he couldn't be found, Herod interrogated the guards and sentenced them to death. Afterward, Herod left Judea to stay in Caesarea for a while. Now, Herod was very angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, so they sent a delegation to make peace with him because their cities were dependent upon Herod's country for food. The delegates won the support of Blastus, Herod's personal assistant, and an appointment with Herod was granted. When the day arrived, Herod put on his royal robes, sat on his throne, and made a speech to them. The people gave him a great ovation, shouting, It's the voice of a god, not of a man. Instantly, an angel of the Lord struck Herod with a sickness because he accepted the people's worship instead of giving the glory to God. So he was consumed with worms and died. Meanwhile, the word of God continued to spread, and there were many new believers. When Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission to Jerusalem, they returned, taking John Mark with them. We need to be prepared for Jesus to release us from captivity in order to do the remarkable, in order to make his glory known. You see, the church has been unleashed. But not only that, Jesus wants to unleash and release you the, the greatest news of all is that in and through Jesus, tomorrow doesn't have to be a repeat of today. You are being set free. You are being released. You are being unleashed to go and make a difference in this world. So what I want to do is I want to look at some of the patterns we see here in tonight's text, and which reflect similar patterns we've seen throughout Acts, showing us how God is at work in releasing us and setting us free from captivity to go out into the world and to make his glory known. And the first pattern we see is that life isn't easy. Like, I know that sounds crazy to start off with this point, but welcome to the life of those called Christians. Last week, we saw this group of Jesus followers being referred to as Christians for the first time, as Christ followers. And now we see them being persecuted with James being killed and Peter being arrested. Like, what's going on? Like, I think we often equate God's love and Jesus loves us and forgives us and sets us free with a life of ease. But that's the complete opposite 
from what we see in Scripture. In Scripture, we see Jesus' followers being ridiculed, persecuted, arrested, beaten, even killed. And that's because we often come up against and call out the worldly systems and structures and powers that seek to oppress people. The irony here is that we find ourselves suffering and struggling because of the message of hope, of love, of care and concern for the oppressed that we go around sharing. And this threatens those in power. So what happens when those in power are threatened? Well, in this text, we see James get killed and Peter thrown into prison, into captivity. And what's interesting here is that it's moved beyond merely the religious leaders to now the royal leaders, the government, the king, who are involved in persecuting Christians. But I believe that captivity also takes different forms because let's face it, we're not all going to be thrown into prison. In fact, where we live, we have freedom to meet and gather and worship the name of Jesus freely. Like I'm broadcasting this online. You see, in our North American context, I believe we're faced more with internal captivity than we are with external captivity. And what I mean is this, there are many things that we choose to do to ourselves that keep us in captivity. Perhaps we drink too much to just kind of take the edge off, but before long, we can't not have that drink. Or pornography, that's a huge one. We all have computers in our pocket now and it's so accessible and we use it as a numbing device or to give ourselves instant pleasure rather than committing to being patient and doing the hard work of relationship building and working on our marriages. Or perhaps work. We, we sometimes lean into work and can become workaholics in order to avoid the pain that we carry, perhaps from a failed marriage, kids who won't speak to us, or just to avoid the tensions at home or some of the pains we're carrying from our past. But even something like a clean house, just ne needing to have the control over our environment so others will be impressed is a form of captivity. Keeping up with the Joneses is a form of captivity. Really, anything that has control over our lives holds us captive. And I know you might be thinking, yeah, but nothing really holds me captive because I could choose to stop to do any of these things if I really had to, but Jesus isn't asking me to do that yet, so I'm good. And you know what? I said that exact same thing 14 years ago. In 2006, I said, I could give up anything for God. My house, my car, my motorbike, relationships, because Jesus isn't going to ask me to do that. Well, little did I know in 2007, I did have to give up those things when God called me to go back to school out west to pursue ministry. I was faced with that choice and I, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, huh. I'm actually needing to choose between giving up these things and following God or keeping these things and disobeying where he's leading. So what in your life right now is holding you captive? And are you prepared to be set free? Do you believe that Jesus can help you live tomorrow in a new and fresh way that won't be a repeat of today? Because here's the second pattern that we see throughout Acts, is that your captivity, whatever it is holding you back, doesn't stop Jesus from working. 
This is the second time Peter's been released from prison by an angel of the Lord. The first time was in Acts 5 with the high priest uh, arresting all the apostles and putting them in prison. And that night an angel releases them and tells them, go back into the temple and keep sharing this message of life. It's a message of life that we have to share. And this time, however, Luke makes sure to tell us twice that all of this was happening around Passover time. And what's interesting is that this is similar to Jesus who is crucified at Passover. Because you see, Passover time had always been remembered as a time when God delivered his people from slavery. But unlike the time of Jesus, the captivity of Peter exists on the other side of Jesus' torture and death. Meaning, it exists on the other side of resurrection. You see, it's through Jesus' captivity, torture, death, and resurrection that he sets us free from our captivity. We live on the other side of resurrection. We live in a time and place where death has been defeated. We are offered resurrection power as we surrender and repent and make Jesus Lord of our lives. Just because you might be in captivity or you're struggling to break free from whatever's holding you back doesn't mean that Jesus has stopped working or that he can't release you from your captivity. You see, what happens here with Peter is that the angel first shines a light in verse 7. He exposes the horrors of Peter's captivity. And then he strikes him on the side to awaken him. And I believe he's awakening him to life and to freedom. And then he tells him to get dressed. And what I love about this line is that he restores Peter's dignity and his humanity. Because nothing is more dehumanizing than stripping away one's clothing and exposing them to nakedness and to shame. And that's why I think some of us stay in our captivity, because it feels too vulnerable to own it. But you know what? Jesus restores our dignity and takes away our shame. Captivity reminds us that this isn't how it's supposed to be. But Jesus reminds us that we're not slaves. We're not in bondage. We are not to be captives. We are his children. But you see... It requires repenting. I've often described repentance as a turning, a turning away from sin and slavery, but it's actually more than that. Repentance isn't just a turning, but it's a returning, returning back home, returning to how things ought to be with Jesus in his proper place as the true king of this world. Do you have faith in Jesus have you placed your faith in Jesus? Do you believe that you are who he says you are, that you are loved, that you are forgiven, that you are a child of God, that you are set free? Because here's another pattern that we've seen throughout Acts, is that just because you've placed your faith in Jesus doesn't mean that we don't have questions or that we don't doubt. You see, Faith doesn't mean we don't doubt. This is often a misconception about faith, that, that faith equals no doubt. But I love what happens here, starting in verse 13, when Peter comes knocking at the door of the house, where a bunch of them were praying for Peter. 
So this girl, Rhoda, comes running out to see who's knocking. And when she hears it's Peter, she leaves him at the door. Like, see ya. And he's kind of left there like, hello? Like, hello? And she runs to tell the others that, hey, Peter's at the door. And what do they do? Do they celebrate that, whoo, God has answered our prayers? No. They don't believe her. They tell her that she's out of her mind. They call her crazy. <laughs> don't you love how much faith they have? They're praying and when it's answered, they don't believe it. <laughs> like, I don't know about you, but I find this strangely comforting because Luke is allowing us to see the early church not as a bunch of great heroes and heroines of the faith, but as some kind of messy, half-believing, faith one minute and doubt the next sort of people that we can actually relate to. Like, I'm like, yeah, I've been there. Like, what? I prayed for this and God answered it? What? And the other reason I find it comforting is because it would be easy for skeptical thinkers to dismiss this story of Peter's release from jail as merely a legend. But who on earth would include this ridiculous story of Rhoda and the praying but hopeless church in their legend? Like, I believe this actually helps give it credibility. It's just simple. It's down to earth. It's this ordinary truth. While at the same time, it's telling us something extraordinary is happening in our midst. It's telling us that this is a heaven on earth moment. That the remarkable is happening. This is an other side of resurrection moment. This is the power of Jesus. Because Here's the last pattern that I want to address that we've seen throughout Acts. God's glory will be made known. Okay? It, it will be made known. God's glory is being unleashed and it is unstoppable. Throughout Acts, we've seen opposition from the religious leaders, the chief priests, the persecution initiated by a young, zealous Pharisee. And now the Jesus followers have gained royal attention. The king is out after them. The good news of Jesus has been announced in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. And the king, Herod Agrippa, who is most threatened by this, has done his worst and it hasn't worked. So now it's time to see what will happen as the church continues to announce Jesus as Lord of the world. You see, it's just like we saw Jesus told them in Acts 1 verse 8. He says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and, and then Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And in this world, in this context, Rome signaled the ends of the earth. And now Jesus is being announced King of the world, Lord of the world, to the ends of the earth. The, the movement has begun and it is unstoppable. The church has been unleashed. You see, King Herod Agrippa was reveling in people's praise. They were standing and shouting and clapping like, Woo! This is no mere man. This is a God. And God simply says, no, no, no. My glory is to be made known. So Herod dies, and in verse 24, it says that the word of God continued to spread. You see, God's glory is being unleashed. 
It's being made known and he's using the church, the body of Christ, brothers and sisters who believe in Jesus, who have given their lives to follow Jesus. He's using us in remarkable ways to do it. I love it. And it's interesting to note the second part of verse 17. Peter kind of disappears. In verse 17, it simply says, and then Peter went to another place. Now, the question is, well, where did he go? Now, there's a few different thoughts. The first is that Luke, the author of Acts, simply didn't know. Second option is that it was not unimportant, didn't really matter where he went. He just had to lay low for a while. Or third, some people think that Peter actually went to Rome, to the ends of the earth, for the first time with the gospel. And the reason it's not mentioned is that Luke didn't want to draw attention to this for the Roman authorities to catch wind of. But regardless of where Peter went, you can't argue the fact that the church has been unleashed to make God's glory known. The pattern that we continue to see over and over and over again is that with Jesus, we are unstoppable. God's glory will be made known. So are you prepared and ready for God to release you from your captivity? To do the remarkable for his glory to be made known? I just think it's amazing that we even get the opportunity to participate in and with what God is doing. But like I mentioned before, the greatest news of all, the good news, the gospel, is that Jesus makes it possible that your tomorrow doesn't have to be a repeat of today. You are being set free. You are being released and unleashed to go and make a difference in this world. So let's not fail to find the amazement and joy and celebration in the setting free because something huge is happening god is at work redeeming renewing and restoring all things and he wants to start with you and as we follow jesus together we will be unstoppable so this week i want you to reflect on these questions again talk them through with a trusted friend a spouse a child or a parent Whoever that you have a safe place with to be able to to work through some of these things. And I'll put the questions on the screen. They'll also be in the description for you to find afterwards. But the first question is, do you have faith in Jesus? Do you have a personal relationship with him? Have you placed your trust in him? Second, where do you see Jesus working in your life? I know I've shared the story of of this extension of grace in my life so many times, but it was at a point where I felt my most vulnerable, most exposed, and I just confessed to all this crap I had been up to. And that's when the pastor hugged me and cried and said, I see God working in your life. It's not always these mountaintop experience. Sometimes it's in the midst of our captivity. Where do you see Jesus working in your life? And then, Do you believe that with Jesus, tomorrow doesn't have to be a repeat of today? And last, what is currently holding you captive? 
I believe this is the most important one that you have to wrestle through and work through. Tell someone, talk to someone, tell Jesus, confess it to him. Because you see, it's as we walk in accountability with others and as we walk hand in hand with Jesus and keep this open relationship, he will transform us from the inside out. He will continue to release us and unleash us to go out and make his glory known. But when we keep it hidden within, we try and white knuckle it and change ourselves, that's not how we are designed. It just weighs on us and holds us back. If you need someone to talk to, you can reach out to me at kevin at thewellbinbrook.com. Call me at 905-518-0168 because I want nothing more than to see you set free so that Jesus can transform you, that he can release you, and that you can go out and change the world for his glory. Don't let your captivity hold you back from what God wants to do with you, from where God wants to set you free. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us to take time to reflect on our lives and what's holding us captive. Give us the courage to admit what's hard and to confess it and to return back to you. Remind us again and again to move toward life, to move toward Jesus. We ask tonight for a hopeful vision of the future, even while we sit with our struggles and our questions. Release us from whatever it is that's holding us captive. Set us free, Lord. For anyone watching or listening to this message right now, I pray that they put their complete faith in you, Jesus, and that they surrender themselves to you and that they enter into a personal relationship with you and walk with you daily. Set them free and fill them with your spirit, fill them with your love so that they will become unstoppable, making your glory known. Thank you for being with us and within us, and for never leaving us alone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.